Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, strong and faithful God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the gift of my husband and the gift of our family. I pray, Lord, that you bless this conversation and bless anyone who is listening with your love and with your grace. Um, we know that what we're about to talk about today we don't even understand fully ourselves. So I pray, Lord, that um, you send your Holy Spirit upon us to guide our conversation and send your holy angels to protect this place where we are so that no evil may enter during our conversation or after. Um, for these and any intentions we hold in the silence of our hearts, we pray all these things through the intercession of your Blessed Mother, as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Happy New Year to all the listeners, uh, and Happy Epiphany. Well, Epiphany? Sort of... Yeah, yeah. West Epiphany. Yeah, you know, but also I don't know Theophany when we're going to release well. this episode. So happy yeah, belated maybe. Epiphany and Theophany to Even all our yeah, Eastern and Western brethren. Yes. Um, yeah, 2023, year of our Lord. Yeah. Praise be to God. We made it through 2022. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of things happened. For us in 2022, a lot of big things. Yeah, we got married. We got married. Um, we got a dog. We got a dog. We had a baby. We had a baby. Uh, unfortunately, miscarriage. But we have a heavenly baby. Yeah. And His uh, name he's is Seraphim. and he's uh, praying for us every day because God knows we need all the prayers. Yeah. Um. What else? Um. Marriage was a huge one. That was a huge milestone. I mean, we moved in together. We moved oh, that out was of our parents' like, yeah. house. Whoa, yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is a big thing. Though. But that I've is. Never really, I've never lived with anyone else besides my roommate in college, Bailey, and my family. True. Yeah. So. You were, I think you're a better roommate than Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, if you're, I'm sorry, but yeah. <laughs> I love you, Simon. It's great, but. Simon was I mean, my. It's not uh, really fair, though. I'm your wife, you know. Yeah. Simon would never be able to fill those shoes. He never would have been able to. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Simon was my roommate in seminary. He's uh, he's currently in his uh, sixth year of seminary. He's in theology one, and God willing, three more years, he'll be ordained. So please pray yeah, uh, for Simon and all the seminarians from the diocese of Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, what other big things from 2022? Hmm. Um, we went to a lot of great concerts. I, there did, was a, there yeah. was a few concert like folk indie concerts that I really enjoyed this past now year. Let's see, who did we go see? We Penny saw, and Sparrow. In order, in order, we went and saw Camp. Oh yeah, Camp, which is a folk band, and then we saw Winneka Bowling League. Yes, Winneka, which is like indie, 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 indie pop. pop. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then we saw Penny, and, Penny Sparrow, and Sparrow, which is another folksy Americana type of uh -huh. 
and then we saw what was that uh, that one that we just saw uh, was um no arcadian wild yeah arcadian which is wild. a folk yeah they're definitely like, very folk um, folk string band kind of yeah they had some really interesting instruments yeah so if you want to like tap into like folk and indie those four i think were just were phenomenal yeah, yeah we loved their concerts um i would say if we were ranking them by stage presence though it would be penny and sparrow oh, for yeah. sure uh-huh. they interacted with the crowd so well they were you so felt funny. like you were their friend <laughs> yeah like, they were talking directly to you. Um, and then Winneka bullying league because he was just so animated on stage. Yeah. I feel like he you was could, feeling the music and you could feel the music with him just by watching him play. That was really cool. Yeah. I thought. And then the third one I would say is Arcadian wild. Yeah. Now they had still a good stage presence, but I think I really liked their performance of like the instruments. So like mm-hmm. the violin, um, it wasn't a cello. Well, yeah, a cello, uh, a fiddle. Um, yeah. I never seen all those Guitar. instruments. I think they're... like all in one place. Yeah. Did they have a banjo too? Was that? Yeah, banjo as well. Yeah. yeah, I thought. Yeah, just a mixture of like. It was cool to see the different instruments being played. I feel like I don't see people play instruments very often. Yeah. So it's really cool. When we get um, to... There, one thing I really liked about the Arcadian Wild was they they performed an album it wasn't really an album like an ep an extended project uh of uh creation the fall and god's like eventual like promise and i really highly recommend uh if you guys want to listen to like a folk sort of uh sort of twist like like narrative of like creation story because they're christians the the arcadian wild the main singer got a um a uh, degree theology. in theology yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i think he, i don't think it was a catholic theology no degree, no but... no but but i mean his songs was like sound theology yeah. like i thought it was very a beautiful way of like mm-hmm. of putting the narrative into music, music form. yeah yeah it was really cool i really liked it so go 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 listen to any of those but especially go listen to arcadian wilds um mm-hmm. extended project i don't know what it's called um maybe we can look it up and yeah, we'll, we'll look it up and then we'll uh, come back to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or we'll put it on our list of recommended. There you go. Yeah, we'll we'll put it in our yeah. list of recommended uh, on the bottom of this episode. So yeah, um, so you can find it there. But and all the rest of the bands that we just mentioned too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good idea. Just because they're yeah, really great concerts and it was really fun and I'm excited for the new concerts we're gonna go to in 2023. Yeah, me too. We uh, Penny and Sparrow is one of Eric's like favorite all-time favorite i would say it's my fans. favorite okay yeah it is my favorite john bell like no not, not one of the favorite yeah they're the favorite like no like john bell all a, of their albums all of their um missing one what really yeah i thought so and then i like looked at it i'm like no i'm missing one uh we have yeah. we love um collecting vinyls so we have all of their vinyls except one i guess yeah <laughs> um the reason why I like Penny and Sparrow so much is uh, all the other bands or like artists I like, they were recommended by someone and I eventually <laughs> fell in love with them. So like John Bellion, who's my like close second, was recommended by a friend in high school and I grew to like love his music and everything. But Penny and Sparrow, I could like pridefully, very pridefully and proudly say I've 
discovered them on my own, found their music, ventured into their music alone. And I say, you know what? I found this band. I found these two. And you're good- the one recommending it and to I'm, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm the one recommending it to it. But also, I just, I've never, they were the first band that I could listen from, uh, like, each album from first song to last and mm. learn every song and every album. Yeah. I can't say that about most artists. And I just, I think every song I could vibe to, more or less sometimes, but every song that they've ever created, I've enjoyed. I'll, I, I will say, like, for me, Penny and Sparrow, when we first started um, dating, you loved Penny and Sparrow, and they weren't my thing. If you go listen to Winneka Bowling League, that that's that was more my style at the time. And uh, Penny and Sparrow is like very soft, slow folk. I used to listen to it to go to sleep when we first started dating because it's just so chill and relaxing. Um, and at the time when we first started dating, I was more into like the pop, the like get you up and going kind of music, beach, indie beach music. And uh, as I started listening to Penny and Sparrow more in the car with Eric, I started to enjoy that like soothing folk, that calming folk. And now I've, I think that I've kind of transitioned in my taste for music to a more uh, mellow and kind of low-key I don't know it's interesting I cultured her that's oh, what happened. oh my gosh <laughs> no no I don't know if that's the word no 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 I uh but, but likewise he mellowed me out that's yeah. for sure <laughs> but she also did the same to me with like I I grew to really like like the indie pop sort of yeah. um sort of music and now I don't listen to it as as much but um i uh are you okay are you joking i'm, so, I'm sorry. sorry uh she's drinking water and uh no i'm drinking um i'm drinking water with uh apple cider vinegar and sometimes if you drink it wrong it goes down the wrong pipe and it's like when lemonade goes down the wrong pipe and Ooh. it burns or soda. <clears throat> or soda. Uh, yeah. Oof. Okay. Yeah. So sorry. I apologize. <laughs> we can continue. She's alive though. She's alive. I'm alive. Um, I'm but yeah. Um, we ventured a lot away. A lot. Uh, going, oh, from our top. Yeah, from 2022. Yeah. If you um, hate banter, I apologize. Yes, this was gonna. This is a long banter, but I don't care. I. Yeah. No. You know, we're, it's, we're doing great. Let's, We're uh, truly a podcast if we bind, if we if banter. We banter. Um, but uh, yeah, I 2022. I pray to God 2023 will be as blissful and as much as a, blissful. We bl- talked about the great things that happened in 2022, but there were a lot of hardships. Oh yeah, oh yeah. As there are with every uh-huh. year, but but the Lord definitely showed us, like even those hardships, how much He was, His hand was in all of it. Definitely. And, um, and I pray like we have the same. He provides us the same wisdom in twenty twenty three. Yeah, um, I agree. Good or for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but twenty twenty three, and we wanted to. One of our resolutions in twenty twenty three was definitely <laughs> be to more be consistent. To be on top of our podcast. Yes, because last time we released it was in like mid November, <laughs> right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and like three holidays have passed. To be fair, though. It was the holiday season. 
we've been super busy True. and our jobs have gotten really busy with um, the holiday season coming yeah, to an end. So. That is true. I'm a, yeah. So we have a good excuse, but doesn't. But if anyone has been like waiting tooth and nail for our next podcast episode, I apologize. Yes. <laughs> so we'll try to be better about <laughs> we'll, it. Uh, we'll, yeah. Not we'll that be... many of you are, I'm sure, but. <laughs> our goal is to be more consistent and hopefully buy better equipment. Um, yeah, that's the goal. We're saving. We're a poor newly married couple, so we can't afford all of the fancy bells and whistles, but we're working on it. We will spend the extra for this podcast, which will mean uh, we will have to eat more quesadillas as dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more quesadillas for dinner rather than like steak and stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, but okay, so what are we going to talk about today, Allison? We are talking about theology, what it is, and who we have asked to be our patrons for this podcast. And how much theology has pretty much influenced our life. Yeah. Uh, has, um, why we decided to study it. Why we d- wanted to study it. But, um, like, and also the, the people, the saints that we're going to ask to be the patrons of this podcast, how much they were the patrons and like the intercessors and much of our studies and much of our prayer life. Um, yeah. Uh, it's still to this day, I would yeah. say. Um, They're still revealing a lot of things to us, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is theology? I think uh, I think I really, it's very simply, I, I would say this is how I usually teach, like, what is theology to, like, students or, like, mm-hmm. to teenagers. Um, I like to break the word theology down to, like, I had, like, a teacher in high school who would always break down the Greek and Latin words of, a, of like the roots mm-hmm. of a English word. And at the moment I thought it was super awesome. But now, now as like someone who aspires to be a teacher, I could see how much it, it really helps. And not only the teacher understanding the word and what he's teaching, but also the students and what they're receiving from the teacher. Yeah. So um, with that being said, I, I like breaking when I, introduce theology to students and to teenagers i break it down into the uh, epistemology epistemology right is that the no i don't know well i break down the english word theology into the two greek words that come from uh the first part the theo comes from the word uh, theos in greek which means god Mm -hmm. and then the last part the ology no the logi Mm -hmm. comes from the word logos which can mean many very things, but um, in the context of theology, it's it could be translated to understanding, understanding or knowledge. Mm-hmm. So theology essentially, in a broader sense, in a vague sense, it's the understanding or knowledge of God. That's very like, if we like... As it, if God can be understood. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, Okay, that's, uh, uh, that's... If you, it's like if people claim to be theologians, how can you claim to know God and understand him in his fullness? No, I don't think that's the point. I don't think that's what theology, the meaning of the word is supposed to entail. Yeah, which I think what, what the quote that you want to say about Evagrius, 
Um, oh. I think that really penetrates um, how can one become a theologian? Mm -hmm. If theology is an understanding of God and God is just so vast and so like so much to understand that we can't even scratch the surface, then how can one become a theologian? How can we two very humble people in 21st century exactly even. <laughs> yeah i know like we're not we're not even theologians we're dropout theologians yeah like what how can we mean? how can we aspire to to study such a such a um hard thing yeah and i think really um this quote that we once heard really exp um explains it well yeah so the the quote is by evagrius of pontus um, and it is the one who prays is a theologian and the one who is a theologian prays. So prayer is at the root of theology and th there is no theology without prayer. There is no ability to know God uh, without prayer. You can, you can maybe know about him or like know of him, but to know him personally and understand him personally, that's only possible through prayer you know what I mean yeah and I think that um that quote looking in hindsight to our lives to us leading to wanting to go study in college theology was really the root of where we first started even before we mm. were in the classrooms in college um so when I was a sophomore in high school, sophomore and freshman in high school, Eric, totally different. Night and day between <laughs> me now, obviously. But um, I went to Catholic high school. Um, and before that, I went to public school. So my vast knowledge of religion or theology was just sacrament prep, which I finished in sixth grade. So so yeah. you basically had a sixth graders understanding of the church well, even theology. less <laughs> i would even argue less because it was just once a week you know yeah. it wasn't like i was learning it every day and it wasn't every year for six till sixth grade exactly yeah. so uh, it was very little but i did my parents did always like through like a children's book like teach us like the stories of the bible mm -hmm. so i was very i love the the bible stories um so i did know something about the bible and learn a little few things um there and then and then learn the prayers obviously like oh man i had to learn those prayers i felt Your like parents i was made you oh well like my, my catechist they're like oh. you must know the creed by the end of this year i'm like okay you know yeah. i mean as a catechist i am also like <laughs> students so. um but so i entered uh, a catholic high school and the first two years were just about the Bible, you know, just learning about the Old Testament and the New Testament. So again, it felt like going back to catechism class or back home or being like how my, my family lessons, you just, you're just going deeper as to like context, the geographical, the historical, um, and learning more like the covenantal stuff. But I didn't really, I just, I enjoyed my theology class in high school and I knew enough to get a good B or A but it wasn't like if it was like the center of my world. Like it wasn't like, I, like oh, I'm looking forward to theology class every day. Um, it wasn't until I had like an, a really personal encounter with God in, in uh, the end of my sophomore year where 
in, in adoration at a retreat at my parish, um, St. John Vianney, where I felt, whoa, like this is God who I've been studying in my high school is personal. Mm-hmm. He was someone who um, isn't distant from me. If anything, he's actually in the form of bread in front of me, want like gazing upon me, wanting to show his love for me. Mm-hmm. And since then, theology class looked different. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like I said, my first two years of high school, uh, I didn't, I wasn't, I was Catholic, but I was very like a very lukewarm Catholic. I didn't really, I went to mass every Sunday, but because your parents made you to go to mass every Sunday. Um, but by the end of sophomore year, that that profound experience put like sparked something in me, sparked like a restless heart in me um, that I wanted. And I had enough good grades to take a theology honors class in high school. So I accepted it, one, because it boosted my GPA, but two, <laughs> theology has now sparked my interest. The lenses in which I saw theology has changed. And so enter my junior year, I was taught by the priest, the, the, the president rector slash chaplain of the school, Father Robert Bold, Bolding. And uh, oh, he's such an intellectual. So like, so freaking like he, he, I, his intellectual ability and his like, the way he could teach, I, I hope I could teach just a fragment of how he, te- he how he taught me. Explain that. Uh, he he uh, put like he made sure we memorize things from the catechism and theology while also breaking ev- the meaning of every word in that definition mm-hmm. both logically and mysteriously did that make sense mm-hmm. so he broke down uh what it means to have a soul what it like what does man mean to have a rational soul um and now knowing it's all Thomistic. He's a Thomist. <laughs> he like he 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 like he he's very like he loves Saint Thomas Aquinas. And uh, now reading uh, Saint Thomas's the- Summa Theologiae, I'm like, oh my gosh, this was my junior year of high school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, so, uh, but like, oh, I, I already know this. I already heard this. <laughs> yeah, and but okay, so with that personal experience of God in my end of my sophomore year, with my junior year of high school. Um, becoming uh, a very like the priest and there was a sister in there too a Dominican sister mm. what what a surprise <laughs> St. Thomas Aquinas was written all over uh, my yeah. formative years um, he uh, where was I going with this oh um, prayer along with the yeah so the prayer the personal experience and like education. the the education um allowed me to the education like okay that personal experience sparked a, a, that god loves me that he's personal and the education was helping me that god had planned and had intelligently designed me to want to desire him mm-hmm. uh i i made it a goal my junior year to spend five minutes in the chapel every day mm-hmm. every day now sometimes it would start off one or mi- one or two minutes in there but every day i would try to go in the chapel why? Because one, it was peaceful. Two, I, I don't know. I just knew like if that experience that I had in that adoration was real, I want that every single day. 
It's I don't... interesting that the it was the combination for you of the experience and then also your being educated on what the Lord wants for you hmm. and how he designed you that caused you to want to pray more. Hmm. It wasn't just the experience because sometimes our experiences can be fleeting mm -hmm. and then we get back to real life and it's hard to remember that, but it was the the blend of the two, like that you needed both in order to, to pray more, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Huh. I like that. That was good. That was a good reflection. Yeah. I didn't think about that too, but. But now you have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Continue. Um, and so I, I prayed every day, junior year for five minutes. And I'll tell you guys every day, it was not like an elegant prayer. I wasn't levitating up to the cross. <laughs> like I was Jeez. like, no, no, no. It was very, I, there, I, there are some days where I felt like I would, I, I, I felt like I wasn't praying well. <laughs> I felt like I wasn't doing it correctly, or I felt like it was just so bland or boring, but I just knew I had to commit to those five minutes. And eventually it grew to like, I would spend a whole lunch period in there. Mm -hmm. um, or I would spend most of my break period in prayer. Um, not every day, but once a week at least. And that development of prayer, along with my theology class, it, it really changed my life. Um, now, that's not to say I still lacked in doing my laundry. <laughs> <laughs> my mom and dad would tell you I was not the perfect child either. Uh, my brothers would still say I was a jerk at that time. But I knew there was, there was a striving to perfect those things. I think what you mean too is not that it changed your everyday little like things in your mm -hmm. life, but it changed the trajectory of your life. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah, it definitely did. Um, and in that year, that's where, you know, uh, the desire and the attractiveness of becoming a priest came about. Um. And I think most of my senior year, it, it, it reflected the same way in my junior year. Um, I didn't have, uh, yeah, uh, I would I would say that. And my, and eventually I went to, but all of that, because my senior year reflected much of how my junior year looked like, uh, it made me finally discern into seminary, which in seminary you would, uh, would have eventually discerned, into, like you would have eventually studied theology um, but I first had to go into like the battleground of philosophy, mm -hmm. which I learned that there's a reason why priests had to study philosophy before theology. But I would say, though, with the quote that you said, um, the one who prays is a theologian and the one who is a theologian prays. Um, the blending of that personal encounter through prayer from that first night in adoration where I felt that the Lord for the first time in my life was personal to my theological classes from that priest, Father Bolding, to even a deeper desire and wanting to grow, grow closer to God and to reveal to him the, 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 the deeper parts of my heart um, and him revealing himself to me, uh, it made me want to study theology. Mm -hmm. And by then in high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to study. My, my the faintest idea what I wanted to study was uh, study film and like <laughs> cinema, which my dad very much like. 
he kind of tore down. That yeah, he idea. tore it. He <laughs> like he he did not. He crushed was like, your hopes and dreams. He did. He crushed my hopes and dreams, and uh, he was like, "You're not gonna be the Mexican Spielberg." I'm like, "Yes, I will." <laughs> um, but luckily, he did because the Lord had other plans, and he wanted, and I and I felt him calling me to theology just because of how much theology changed um the trajectory of my life mm -hmm. and i fell in love with theology and i wanted to study it even more in an academic sphere and and yeah i think um that quote very much resonates to me from a very early to my reversion to the faith something else that i think is really interesting that you talked about is you talked about your childhood and how you had had all of these formation classes. Your parents had had raised you well in the faith. They read you the Bible stories, took you to mass, like everything. But it wasn't, and you knew, like you knew about God. But it wasn't until you had that personal encounter with him that your life was turned around. Yeah. You know, your the traje trajectory of your life was changed. And that's why, referring back to this quote, it's so important that prayer be at the root of um, your understanding of God. Mm -hmm. Your personal encounter with God has to be at the center of your understanding of him or else everything falls apart or else anything else can, can come in and tear down the structure that you've built of mm -hmm. understanding of God. You know, that yeah. faith isn't, doesn't become real until the personal encounter happens with the Lord. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I like that. I like that. So with that, with, with, uh, that's my life. And that's where I, um, where I desired and grew to love theology and want to go study and become a theologian. Um, how about you? How about you, Allison? Like what's, what, yeah. what, what made you want to study theology and, a cheerleader, a popular cheerleader in her high school, a track star who could have gotten a, a scholarship and yeah. uh, and all of that. What made you want to study theology in college? Yeah, um, I was thinking about this while you were talking about your story. I'm just like, okay, why did I want to study theology? <laughs> I mean, like, I know in my heart of hearts, like, I know why, but I've never had to tell someone why <laughs> in words. It just felt right, which is really a basic answer. But um, I'll try to explain why it felt right. Uh, my whole life, even from a very small child, I feel like I have desired truth I, I want to know the truth about everything and um, lies really bother me and when I don't understand something well it bothers me a lot and I and when I was a kid I feel like I was I had a lot of questions um, even from a very young age about I re and uh, here's an example of this. When I was like seven years old, six or seven years old, I had to have been that young, if not younger. I remember sitting in mass, looking. We we went to 
a beautiful cathedral when I was a kid in Indiana. And I remember like looking up at the walls and like, looking at the details and the paint and not really paying attention to the mass, but I always was, I always started listening when they said, um, it's the part in the mass where, gosh, now I have to think of the exact words because it's the exact words that threw me off when I was a kid. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. And I don't know why they're saying that. And I want to know. And I think I asked my mom um, during mass, like, why do they say that? Uh, and it was, um, oh, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Mm. Um, and I thought as a kid that meant I am not worthy to receive you in communion, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed as if I don't really need to go to communion because you only need to say the word and my soul is healed. <laughs> so <laughs> why do I need to to take the bread and at the time I was too young to receive communion. And so I always thought to myself like, okay, it's okay that everyone else is receiving communion and not me because only say the word Lord and my soul <laughs> shall be healed. Um, and, and growing up, it was at that I always had questions about and it wasn't until I had learned about the story, the biblical um, recount of the, healing of the um, Roman soldier's daughter mm -hmm. that I understood where that came from. And so like, again, that's, that's an example of, I just really wanted to know why these things were being said and whether or not I was understanding them correctly, because if I were lying to myself, that would bother me a lot. Or if I wasn't understanding it correctly, that would, and so um, as I, grew up, my family prayed often together. I remember as a kid, like you, Eric, my dad reading to us when we were really little from like a children's Bible and reading us the stories and us seeing the pictures and stuff. And I remember too, growing up in Indiana, my mom's side of the family, my mom's parents and so my grandparents had everybody over every Sunday evening for dinner and to pray the rosary. And my mom comes from a big family. She has nine siblings and all of them have lots of kids. So it was just tradition that every Sunday we would go over to grandma and grandpa's house and we would have dinner and we would pray the rosary. So I prayer was always a big part of my life growing up and my parents prayed with us before we went to bed and things like that and I still even to this day pray the same prayer that my parents prayed with us when we were itty bitty kids wow. before I go to bed like in the exact same way that they prayed it I pray it <laughs> and um even like to the point where part of the prayer it was the angel of god prayer angel of god my guardian dear to whom god's love commits me here ever this day be at my side to light to guard to rule to guide amen and then after that they would add who we're going to pray for 
And it was always in the same order, the same people. (laughs) So I still pray in that same order, the same people. Pray for my grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, cousins, mom, dad, Allison, Chad, Olivia, Annabelle, Lily, Brayden, Eric. (laughs) And uh, like I add people on. Now I've added Eric's whole family to that (laughs) prayer. And so my prayer ends up being like 10 minutes long just with who I'm praying for. And then at the end of that, and a special prayer for, and it would always be my parents' godchildren because at the time they were praying for their own godchildren. So we just grew into the habit of praying for their (laughs) godchildren also. Um, And then at the end of that, it would be an especial prayer for... um, and, and and then we'd end it with and for all the people in the world who need Jesus <laughs> and so anyway my my whole childhood was this act of prayer and I think even as a kid I really uh, in a child's way understood the importance of it and that never left me I don't think ever even when it was hard to pray I think I always knew of the importance of it. Not that I did it all the time or that I was very good at doing it um, all the time or often or well. I always knew that I needed it and that it was important. Um, And I think the same with, with my faith. I always knew that it was important for me to practice my faith. Whether I liked it or not, I knew that it was true and I, I will say I personally have never I've never been in a place where I've thought maybe this isn't real or maybe this isn't true. I I don't know why. I think the Lord has just given me the that sense, thank goodness, because I struggle in a lot of other areas of understanding and in my faith, but I've never I've never not been Catholic or I've never wondered what it would be like to be something else, Mm. you know? So, so growing up that way, growing up with that importance of always needing to pray mm -hmm. and never, well, the Lord granting you the gift, that theological gift of, uh, of faith. Where was the turning point where you're like, you know what, I want to go even deeper into it and study it. And yeah, to be honest, there wasn't a turning point. It was just kind of a a development. Mm. It was just my whole life was this way. And I had I always questioned and sought the answers to things, even at a young age, like even in grade school. I was I would hear things from people who were older than me that didn't make sense in my understanding of the faith and so I would go to our parish priest and ask him to explain it to me things that maybe I wasn't old enough to understand mm. but I still wanted to know like I had an inkling and it's always with me if there's an inkling I'm I will always follow that inkling to to see why I had that inkling in the first place. Um, and that's that's the same with me, not only in theology, but like in in the study of my my own health, in the study of the world and why things are the way they are. Kind of like 
phenomenology. I, I, we were talking about phenomenology <laughs> earlier, uh, the the science of experience mm, and experiencing of things experience. of human experience. That I feel like um, has really um, it helped me develop my desire for for truth. And, yeah, for truth. Yeah. And what higher truth than? Than God, exactly. Mm-hmm. What higher truth than God? And when I was in high school, I had really good theology professors as well. And I did go on a lot of retreats and led a lot of retreats. And I had beautiful experiences in adoration, but it was never what you experienced, really. Like, I, it was, but it wasn't this, oh, my whole life has changed by this one experience. Mm. It was just like I... Uh, I would be in adoration and it would be lovely. And I loved the prayer that was involved in it. But I I don't know if it didn't happen or if I just didn't need that. um, That sort of, I don't know. It was just always like, this feels natural. This is good. I'm glad we're doing this. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, the Lord is calling me to something. I don't know. Um, but I so will say. So you didn't say, need a burning bush. No. Like you were already. No. The Lord was very. Yeah. And I think it. The nurture of your household, the of like really em- emphasizing the importance of prayer as a, like a young child. Man, I mean, like the domestic church was there. Like you were already like being formed by your domestic church, which mm-hmm. would just increase from in, in your Catholic elementary school to Catholic high school. And, um, yeah. and it's just, I mean, I mean, from the moment I knew from the moment I met you, I knew you were like, a, a truth was like written all over you. Like you, like, like you said in the beginning, like lies are not, uh, you hate lies. That's like your pet peeve. And your advocacy and your desire to always seek the truth in everything. Yeah, I could mm-hmm. see like written that, like written on your DNA as a child. <laughs> yeah, so following that point, when I was in high school, I had really good theology teachers who um, helped me answer those questions not in a way that I was like, oh, I know all of the answers now, but more so it was like they opened another door. <laughs> like I got through one thing and then got to the door of the next thing. And so it, it that was more so what sparked the desire for me to study theology in college because I was finally getting to a point where I, I could ask these questions and find the answers to them and keep going and keep asking more questions and keep finding the answers to those. And that became really attractive to me, especially when it had to do with something that was bigger mm-hmm. than anything else I could ever study. It was like, it was like, duh, I'm going to study theology. That's all that matters <laughs> in this world is theology. Like I had this, this understanding that it was like, nothing else is more important than this. Mm. Nothing else will fulfill me um, well besides this. And actually that has been true going through my, uh, my studies in college that I 
I have a tendency to try a lot of new things. <laughs> I really like trying new hobbies, getting really good at something. But then as soon as I get really good at it, I let it go. I'm like, yeah, on to the next thing. Mm. I'm not very good at staying on task. <laughs> I'm not, maybe there's like some sort of ADD there. I don't know, but uh, I'm not very good at sticking to something. If As soon as it becomes boring, I'm on to the next thing. Theology has been the only thing in my life that has not gotten boring mm. and just continues to enrich me. Why? Well, because it's <laughs> it's so vast. <laughs> I will never be able to get bored with it. Mm. I'll never be able to get good at it. So you would say there's like an infinite desire in you to understand God that it can never be satisfied. Right. And it will always drive your life. And I'll never be satisfied with how, quote unquote, good I am at it. Because mm. uh, I'll never be good at, at understanding God. I'll never be the best at understanding God. Mm -hmm. Ever. Yeah. Uh, no matter But both what. in prayer and in the academics. Right. So, like you could read as many books, but it just wouldn't matter. And even in like prayer, like those holy hours, like in your lifetime, like it would still not be enough until you're it prepares you until you die right exactly and until then the perfect theologian is anyone who's in heaven right exactly <laughs> because their mind is god's mind in a way like they journeyed into god mm -hmm. well enough that now they know the mind of god because they're in mm. heaven uh i will never get to that point on earth and but i want to there's still a desire to try, uh, even though I'll never, I know I'll never fulfill it. That's, I think, the key for me, like, where I think everyone in some way, in a sense, is called to be a theologian. Mm -hmm. um, not in the academic world, because we need still doctors, lawyers, uh, nurses. Um, we we'll still need, like, all those other professions. But in the sense of what we've been talking about for prayer, everyone is called to be a theologian mm -hmm. because everyone is drawn and desired or is intrinsically designed to desire God. And only in prayer can they understand and know God. Yeah. I would even argue uh, a janitor could be a more uh, complete human than an atheistic astronomer or quantum physicist mm. because their 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 prayer and understanding of god taps into a theologian in them that they understand god very simply they don't need anything else they're striving to want to be holy like you were saying like that drive of wanting to know who god is now you ventured into the academic because you felt god calling you into the academic realm of theology but that prayer one is a universal call to everyone yeah. which means universally god is calling everyone to be a, the a theologian of prayer mm -hmm. to have a personal encounter with god to want to seek him and 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 seek him and to want to be gazed by him mm -hmm. to open your heart to his love that's simply, I think that's what a theologian is. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, I think anyone is called to a theologian in that, in that way. Yeah, in that way. Yeah. 
I will say too, though, uh, yes, anyone can be a theologian in, in that way that their prayer will, will elevate them to a knowledge of God. But I think one of the reasons that I felt called to study him in the academic realm is because, because of my love for the truth of things, I wanted Mm. to defend him. Uh. I wanted to be able to defend, um, and, and explain to others why it's true, Mm. um, to deepen their understanding. And I think that, and I wanted to be an apologist in that way. I wanted to be able to defend the faith well mm-hmm. and bring people to to know God by na- like the natural law of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would say my, the beginning of my studies in college where I was very Thomistic. I, I did want to explain God based on this, these truths that we know about the world. Um, and I think that that part of theology is of a theologian is also important, um, because we're all called to defend the faith in one way, shape or form. But I think that there's, there are some who are called to combat heresy pretty Mm. much. Uh, And that, that's a big job of a, of a theologian. Yeah. And that you need schooling to do, or you need to at least have a knowledge of heresies mm-hmm. to, in order to combat them. Yeah. You know, which is why I think philosophy is so important in studying theology, because you need to be able to reason well, mm-hmm. um, to combat the, the, the heretical reasons, um, against God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you, I think you hit a really like a focal point, like a very good point of, I think the, the, the need for academic theology or systematic and scholastic theology, even, um, monastic theology came about is to defend the true faith. Um, because we live in a fallen world. That's the reality of it. And because of our darkened, like, uh, darkened and sinful minds we could misunderstand who god is mm-hmm. i mean we say it to this day we uh misunderstand who a human person is designed by god um we 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 encounter so many bad ideologies philosophies and even theologies a theologian like you said is someone who must is trained specifically to defend that faith to defend what God has revealed to us, both through reason and by faith. And not only by their own experience, but by the um, the institution of his church and yes. his teaching, mm-hmm. not my own feeling. Yes, yeah. But by the tradition of 2000s of years, mm-hmm. the magisterium and the authority in which the church has used in those 2000s of years, the word of God, which we've been given, which was uh, which the magisterium has hold true mm-hmm. to in it, in the center of her of her faith, and I think um, and the sacramental and the sacraments, mm-hmm. uh, the theologian in some way, shape, or form is a defender of all that. 
yeah. along with other people of the faith um, who, who are called to do it in different ways. But specifically, a theologian in the academic world um, is one who must combat those um, philosophical, political, theological um, heresies. heresies and um, attacks to the faith. So, and we've, and, and I think that leads very smoothly into our next segment of what saints have we aspired to, aspired and like inspired us throughout our studies and our prayer life to want to defend the faith like they did. Yeah. Um, so I think that that was very, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited of who we're going to talk about. So the saints that we decided that we that, that we're like knocking in like the door of our like hearts and in our minds to be like hey we want to be part of this podcast we want to we want to pray and intercede for this and honestly who's been interceding for most of our lives if anything um the first one that comes in mind is uh saint john uh saint john the apostle saint john the evangelist but uh to the the title that the Eastern Catholic Church and the tradition of the Eastern Eastern faith, uh, the theologian Saint John the theologian, mm-hmm. and they they gave him the title of the theologian um, Saint John, um, compared to like the other uh, evangelist writers, is Saint John's gospel is very unique in the way he wrote it. Um, it was narrative. Uh, the gospel, but his 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 gospel is very um, theological, and why? Because it it reveals who Christ is. Um, it reveals there's how many like what? There's seven I am statements in John's gospel. What does that mean? Uh, God, God says, or Jesus says in the gospel, I am this or that i am i am um that's not found in any of the other gospels he makes very clear uh statements Mm. about who god is um and like we were talking about before with a theologian's job being to state what the truth is about Mm. god and to uh, combat heresies he, he did that in the way that he wrote his gospel. Mm-hmm. He was very clear about who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, Even in his letter, the letter of St. John, he says, uh, I mean, that was one of our themes in uh, um, our wedding. Of yeah. our wedding. We love because he first loved us. Mm-hmm. So Saint, even like, and like uh, attached to his gospel, his letters were very like, God is love, essentially. Um, God is, um, like, he's defining who God is. Yeah, very cataphatically. Yes. Defining who he is. And um, where the, where the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, their emphasis in their, not not that John's gospel wasn't narrative, but the other three gospels were, the emphasis was on the narrative of what happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Which revealed some theological truths, but not as heavily as Saint John's Gospel. And it wasn't the it wasn't the main um, purpose. Yeah, 
Yeah. Which is why like the early church fathers gave uh, the symbol of uh, an eagle to St. John's because mm-hmm. it elevates to to the height of, of, of God mm-hmm. um, and his understanding. So I think, yeah, St. John, the theologian, just, uh, and I mean, and not only that, I remember in high school, like in that junior class I was talking about with that priest, with Father Bolding, he, um, he, uh, we spent a lot of time on John chapter six mm. about the Eucharist. Yeah. And like just the theology behind that chapter alone, oof, it's just yeah. so heavy. It's so like, it's beautiful. No, excuse me. Um, it's so beautiful, and I think, um, I think that really reflects well of like John's gospel. Yeah. Um, His whole gospel is so short. It's like he's, and when I read John, I'm like, he's sure of himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's not just um, making an account of what happened. He's uh, like, no, I know, I know. Uh, who Jesus revealed himself to be. And not only that, what, along with what you're saying, he's so sure, like in his own gospel, he says, oh, Christ is mo- like best friend or Christ is like mm-hmm. most beloved. And he's like, yeah. all right, all right, John, your teacher's <laughs> pet over here. But uh-huh. but that what we were saying earlier, like it's not just a study in claiming who God is. It's that personal encounter of yeah. who God is too. And John reveals that in his gospels, like, I am the Lord's beloved. Like I, like he, like I am his best friend. Like I, like, like I was the one, like, you know, he was so sure of his relationship with God. It was mm-hmm. him who God entrusted to take care of Mary, you know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that. And he wasn't, I don't think, I think it goes also to say that he wasn't, he was sure of himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm giving him that confidence oh yeah it wasn't like um i am holier than thou kind of thing it was it was clearly the the lord gave him a great gift Mm -hmm. um he gave all of his apostles a different gift to to help the ministry but he gave john that gift of being Being close to him and knowing yeah Yeah. being able to understand many things Mm -hmm. about god yeah uh, and I want to say too, there was a point that I wanted to make it. It's reflected in John chapter six so much so that it, it wouldn't make sense. If you read the whole gospel of John, it wouldn't make sense to read chapter six of John without that understanding mm-hmm. of what he was saying like about the Eucharist. He is so clear. <laughs> He's clear about every other part of his gospel. Why would he not be as clear and intentional with the words that he was saying about Christ in the Eucharist? And I think that. And what God like revealed to him when he was giving yeah. that sermon, like, like you. This is my body. Take and eat of it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we could do a whole episode yeah. on John John chapter six. I was just like, thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, no I love it. I think you're. It's right, and it just shows in the gift that God gave him to be, essentially one of the, like the church's, one of the church's first theologian. You could mm-hmm. argue Mary was the first theologian because like, but if Mary was a lot of things. Yeah, Mary, she was decent. <laughs> yeah, she Mary was, <laughs> she is the mother of God. Like yeah. 
with that entails so many other titles. Yeah. So, but the first imperfect man uh, that was a theologian was John. Yeah. <laughs> um, with that, I I think with John, like with his uh, theology really being like, and John chapter three, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, like the most overused like yeah. scripture by everyone, but it's like, you could say it's there's like a the, reason for it. Though. Yeah, there's that is the sum of the, like the theology that of he was the trying theology, to say. Exactly. Like it was God so loved, like God is love, mm-hmm. and John's theology like um, flows very much well into like the, the like the theologian we're gonna talk to next, who was the theologian that in much of my life, um, from my reversion to my high school days both in prayer, but also eventually to my, to my studies in college, uh, St. Augustine. Uh, my favorite quote by St. Augustine is, um, our hearts were made for you, O Lord, and, are, and they are restless until they rest in you. <laughs> I love that quote. It is a quote that, like, if I could have, like, a quote tattooed on, onto me, it would be that. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to get a tattoo. But <laughs> point is, uh, St. Augustine, I think... Um, uh much in line with what we've been saying is he was when when he reverted to like converted to the faith which took him a long time and when when he wasn't a christian boy lived a very uh, experienced life that's that's <laughs> what we could say um he uh, very sinful life <laughs> very very um but you could definitely tell in his sinful life he desired that love his even though it was perverted and it was disordered he desired that love, which is why he says, I quote, like, it's a restless heart that he has, the restless heart for truth. He desired the truth. He desired beauty. Now where he went to look for it, you know. In the beginning was not the right place. Yeah, well, for most of it, and not just the beginning, for yeah. a long time. Um, but when he reverted, um, when he converted back and he came to the faith, um, he was a great defender. And I don't think a lot of people really realize how much of his writings and defenses and homilies and rhetorics and books influence of much of the theology we have today. Mm-hmm. Actually, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, he's the most quoted saint out of everyone. Mm-hmm. And the second most is St. Thomas Aquinas. But even then, St. Augustine was quoted like 15 times more but than St. Thomas. St. Thomas developed his writings based on a lot of St. August. Oh, yeah. St. Augustine's writing. Oh, yeah. And then St. Augustine also, like, in in being a church father, he he used a lot of the other church fathers and the and to develop his theology. And he just had a lot of wisdom. And uh, the reason why I always love St. Augustine, not only because of his personal struggles with, like, lust and stuff, and I could, I always went to him, like, hey, you struggled, help me. Yeah. Like, I need, I need those prayers, but um his uh his reliance on scripture he was so reflective on scripture he read scripture and he's like like i could spend hours in this and i'm like that's what i want to do i want to not only reflect on reflect on scripture poetically what does it mean theologically what is it what is god trying to speak to to us as a church through this the writings that he's made um, through the word of God. And you could see that um, like that, that that center of influence was very much in much of Augustine's work. 
Honestly, um, I would say Augustine desired, I think that he desired love. Mm-hmm. Like love was the driving force of his theology. And I think that it's clear in the way that he writes his theology. Yeah. It is, it's, it comes from a place of love, a place of poetry, a place mm-hmm. of, of beauty. Of beauty. Yeah. Um, I think there's truth in it, but I think the driving force for him was love. And I think it, it also shows in the the way he looked for love in the majority of his life was with many women. Uh, he was desiring a love that could never be fulfilled other than with God. Yeah. And I think that that, uh, I think that you, you relate to him so much because of your love for poetry, of your love for love. You're very much a hopeless romantic yeah. in that way. And I think that I call myself a restless romantic now. Hopeless is to despair. He wanted despair. this he wanted this podcast to be restless romantics <laughs> <laughs> at one point. I was like, no. It's not Yeah, it's no. Not um but I think you're right. I think Augustine's I like to I like to say like people could their driving force to seeking God could be in three ways by the three transcendentals truth beauty and goodness and I think yours is definitely truth yeah <laughs> yours you. is definitely beauty yes I think I seek things and and not to say I lack the other two it's just beauty is the center of it and it leads me to the other two yeah whereas you like Truth is the center of it, and it leads you to the other two. Mm-hmm. I think much of Augustine's life was beauty. He sought the beautiful in rhetoric, in in like rhetoricians, um, in 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 women, and in everything. And it led him to the truth, who is God. Led him to the goodness, who is God. And most of all, to the most beautiful, which is God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think that resonates to me so much i think singing gusson was that was that driving force and much into this day he's my favorite saint he's much he's a saint that i always ask for prayers not only to be a better theologian but just to help me to become a better better christian a better catholic a better man a better husband so much props and and thanks that the lord uh, gave me that special connection to my older brother in the faith, who is St. Augustine, who's helped me grow so much closer to God um, yeah. through beauty and through truth and through theology. Yeah. So. Which, um, my, the, the saint that I think has been knocking on the door of my heart for a long, long time uh, is, e- even I think he was knocking on the door of my heart before I knew he existed. It <laughs> <laughs> um, was, is St. Basil the Great. St. Basil is one of the three holy hierarchs, so he is um, a church father, and he he's definitely one of those saints. We talked about how St. Augustine's drive um, in his theology was love. St. Basil's is truth, for sure. Mm-hmm. He, he combated many heresies, including Arianism, which uh, stated that Christ is not divine, that he was human like a a prophet figure and he combated that heresy throughout his his whole uh theological career and he um he also sought to sought to 
help others understand the Trinity. Some One of his most famous writings is on the Holy Spirit and his, the Holy Spirit's relationship with the other two persons of the Trinity, the Father and the Son. And his he is very prominent in the East. He is he also created the a liturgy in the Eastern Rite of Catholicism. Saint Basil's liturgy is one of two liturgies that are said, one of the only two liturgies, I believe, right? St. Basil and St. John Chrysostom are the only two liturgies in the East? Or uh, I think there's one more, the liturgy of St. James. But I oh, could be wrong. Don't no, quote I me think, on that. I think you're right, though. Yeah, but I think that's not in the Byzantine tradition. I think that's mm. more uh, Syriac and Syro. And, mm. But I could be wrong. I have to study that. But, dang, you put me on the spot. Sorry. But, <laughs> but yes. Anyway, uh, but the point is... In the Byzantine, it's definitely St. Basil's and St. John Chrysostom's. Yeah. Okay. What was my point? That was one of the things that he did, I guess, was my point. Yeah, it's um, the liturgy. Yes. And one of one of the quotes from him that I really like, and I like a lot of quotes from him because it's very, I just, I'm like, whenever I hear his words, I'm like, yes, <laughs> duh. <laughs> and like, that is, that is the truth. And, uh, and one of them is, to lovers of the truth, <laughs> nothing can be put before God and hope in him. And in my, my spirit, I, is, it like jumps up and down with that. I feel like yeah. um, there is nothing greater than desiring God and, and hoping in him and having faith in him. There is nothing better. And I think that that has been something that's resonated with my entire life. That there, <laughs> there's never been this temptation that something else is is greater than him. It, it's mm. it, there. He is always at it's top. Full circle. <laughs> what you're saying about Saint Basil right now, and then what you said about your life and like why you want to study theology. It's like. Yeah. You get, yeah, he's definitely been knocking at the door of your heart for a yeah, long time. For a long time. And and honestly, in he has been not he was knocking at the door of my heart when I was introduced to Eastern theology, I think, mm. as well. I, I think he desired to show himself to me, to reveal his own theological works to me mm. by um by giving me the opportunity to experience him in the Eastern liturgy and in Eastern theology. And one of, one of the other quotes while we're on this topic that he says that I really love is human life is of brief duration. All flesh is grass and grass withers. The flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Let us hold fast, let us hold fast to the commandment that abides and despise the unreality that passes away. He goes so far as to say that this life on earth is one, it's it's grass. And <laughs> grass we stomp on, we we cut grass down, <laughs> like we care not about it at all. Um and, and he even says we must despise the unreality that passes away. 
he's he's basically saying that this this whole life that we're living means nothing if we don't get to the next life mm. that's that's the reality that this is all like a facade and i think that 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 quote resonates with me so much because so many of the things that i question about this world and about the people who live in it and why why there's so much sin why there's so much confusion why there's so much distrust it's because it's all a facade and it doesn't none of it matters except to get us to the reality which is union with god mm. and deification mm. um Dang. yeah yeah Ooh. so saint basil is like that he's that mic drop person for me <laughs> i think <laughs> It's uh, I. He's definitely pre preaching to the choir when you read him, like when he's, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, sometimes I feel like, you're like I'm Ooh! in a yeah, like you're <laughs> that's snapping, you know, like uh, like if you're in a a Baptist church and you're like, Amen, yeah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's oh, man. Dang, you should have been in a what 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 diocese was he bishop of? Um, or that oh. part now you're is it Constantinople? Spot. No. No. It was Cappadocia. Cappadocia. Okay. That's uh, where he did his studies. Yeah, Cappadocia. I was about to say, Lord should have put you in Cappadocia when he was bishop. <laughs> imagine, yeah. imagine, imagine, like, ah, oh, gosh, that would be so awesome. I think if the Lord granted us like time machine one time, I think we would both like want to go to like a live sermon. Of like mm. St. Augustine and St. Basil. Yeah. So like here for the first time. Like yeah. not just read it, but like hear like the rhetoric and like the the like the spirit like of of, of wanting to preach what they said. Yeah. Um, like I, how did they say their own words? Yeah, you know, like oh gosh, that would that would be what awesome. was their personality like? Like we can only know so much about their personality by the words that they wrote on paper. Right, exactly. So yeah, I think that would be our time machine. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, one I of can't our wait to get to desires. heaven for that question to be answered. <laughs> what was your personality like, Saint Basil? Um, um, okay, moving on to the next saint. Well, the next two yeah. are technically not saints. That's right. And um, not canonized saints. Yeah, they're not canonized saints. But Yet. I think um, in our hearts, we firmly believe, and we're going to ask the Lord's will in every episode of this po of every podcast that if it be the Lord's will um to use these holy men um to become canonized in the church mm -hmm. and both of them is venerable fulton sheen mm -hmm. and most recently who've passed away pope benedict the 16th or also known as Cardinal ratzinger eternal memory eternal, eternal memory. memory um and both of these are obviously modern 20th century influential um, writers uh, in in their respective like Colonel Ratzinger. I mean Colonel Ratzinger. He was thirty six as a theologian in Vatican II Council, and not just there spectating, like influencing much of what it was going to writ like write about and be said about in the Vatican. Can you imagine thirty six? Like I'm just thinking, like all right, that's You're like how many years? That's from like being thirteen 36? years away from now, yeah. and I still don't technically have a bachelor's degree in theology. <laughs> and I'm like, in thirteen years, like I'm like, 
imagine someone were to ask me to become part of like Vatican Council three. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> would not want that responsibility. But Cardinal Ratzinger was 20, like 36 when he was a very influential theologian in that time. Mm -hmm. And he was for much of, I think most, if not all of Pope John Paul II's um, papacy, the head of the Congregation of the Doctrine, uh, doctrine and Faith, mm -hmm. um, the CDF. Um, and I think recently, I mean, before that, I was like re reading much of his works um, before he passed away. you devotion to him. Yeah, you know, and I just loved him. And I just like, and much of the, my, the, the people around me that were like youth ministers, pastors, um, were influenced much by his writings. Mm -hmm. And um, even though a lot of other people were like, would say Pope John Paul II was their Pope, um, I think not a lot of people realize underneath Cardinal Ratzinger was their theologian. Yeah. Um, just of how much of his writings influenced with much of how, I mean, I would argue he's the most influential 20th century theologian. Mm -hmm. um, and he, personally, he's my favorite Pope. I don't remember him by memory, but I think what he did has echoed and rippled effects into my life. Yeah. Um, directly. Directly. And the first encyclical I've ever re read was his encyclical, God is, uh, God is left. Um, Deus Caritas Est. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. And um, so, yes. And in uh, his more, and I've always told Allison, I'm like, in much of our relationship in our, in our marriage, I'm like, I can't, I can't wait until Pope Benedict dies. So then he could become the canon. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Like, yeah, Allison, yeah, he says this. He yeah. said this a lot. And of then times. now when he passed away, there's like a, like a, oh, like a heavy heart, obviously. Like, Wow, like this thing that I was like saying. I've been praying for this, yeah, but <laughs> but but even now I think he's doing and I'm praying that like the Lord um really reveals this and, and really wills this in his grand wisdom and love to have the church uh canonize him as a saint mm -hmm. so he could do even more. And I think he's gonna be a doctor of the church. Mm -hmm. Every single mm -hmm. person that we've said, aside from Saint John the it's Theologian, because he's an evangelist, <laughs> um uh, St. Augustine and St. Basil ha are doctors of the church. And I hope to do a series of doctors of the church in the future in these episodes, but so you're going to under, so some people can understand the, like the, the heavy, like the, the claim that I'm saying, like, yeah, I there's think, weight to that. Yeah. There are very few people, very few saints who, who are given the title of doctor. I would say 27, 28 out of the many plethora of saints thousands of yeah saints. <laughs> we've only had 27 28 in which the like the church recognizes yeah. doctors and only it's a pope really only like declares two in their papacy so um pope francis has only done two so far so we'll see but anyways i'm praying for i'm praying and i'll be asking for the enders uh for the lord's will be done and if it be so in my lifetime, I pray that Pope Benedict's canonization I could witness with my own eyes. Yeah. One of the, uh, what are the stipulations for someone becoming a canonized saint? They have to have an occult following, right? Oh, um, they, let's do that in another episode because no, I, I could know, do but, a whole episode. I know, but my point is with our podcast, we hope to um, reveal who he was mm -hmm. um, and, and reveal 
his working in the church mm-hmm. so that more people can understand his theology and yeah. go to him so that and that will increase his probability of becoming yeah. a candidate saint. I really do think uh, if you really want to know like some of his works to go in devotion his encyclical I think that's like that that is like Deus Caritas Deus Caritas has, which he has so much encyclical like he has four three encyclicals 66 right like books like um so many audiences and writings and stuff but i really mm-hmm. do think if you want to get an introduction to his theology uh deus caritas est is where you should start yeah even recently you were reading one of his audiences about saint gregory of nyssa right yeah uh, uh saint gregory the theologian oh saint gregory the theologian yeah there's two saint gregories yeah uh, what was the quote though? I think the quote really um, uh, the applies qu- to what we're talking about with theology. Yeah. So, seeing as uh, Pope Benedict one time uh, had in his audiences, um, uh, he he would always um, he went through the church fathers, like the apostles, the church fathers, medieval theologians, and holy women, and. He said this about a, a church father named St. Gregory the Theologian, uh, who is who the Orthodox view as. Who actually we also considered as a saint for yeah, this podcast. Yeah. But he wasn't like, I, I don't think the Lord, we're still going to. However, we are talking about him right now. So maybe he is knocking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, um, this is, I think, in conclusion to almost everything that we're saying, and we're probably going to conclude in a few more minutes. Um, well, we still have Pope, to talk about see. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, then I think I'll, 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 I think I'll just save it till the end. Yeah, I think I'll save it to the end okay. as like a sort of like conclusion to everything we've been saying. Okay. About being a theologian. So the other, the other person that we are going to talk about is Blessed Fulton Sheen. So the last, maybe not the last saint, but um, the last for now that has been knocking on the door of our podcast has been Venerable Fulton Sheen. And he he died more recently. Was it in the 50s? I don't know. I, I think he was in the 70s. Well, maybe. When he yeah. died, yeah. Yeah, because I know he had time to meet. John Paul II as Pope. Mm. So I think it was definitely in the 70s, maybe early 80s. I could be wrong about that. I'll do the I'll, I'll search it up. You keep on um, talking. But he was very prominent. His theo- theological works were very prominent in the 60s. That's when he was doing writing most of his theological works. And they were very influential at that time. But even more recently, I think the the amount of times that I've heard him quoted on 79. a daily 79. Yeah, 1979. The amount of times more recently that I've heard him quoted, it's like on a daily basis, people are <laughs> quoting Fulton Sheen about something. And he, some of the things that he said when he was alive are so, how do I say this? It was like, um, it was almost Bold. as if he didn't even realize the effect that his words were having on the world. And he didn't, it was like, he didn't even realize also the Lord was working through him 
um, in his lifetime, as the Lord has worked through and he many had the saints, audience but... for it too, because he was a he had his own television show. Yeah, he did, which was in like a major network. I think it was yeah. like was it CBS or something. Back I don't know. But the point is, I think it was in a big network, and there was yeah. a lot of people, Catholic or not, who knew who he was because mm-hmm. of his, because of what like of the of the show that he had. Yeah, and he made a lot of claims about the world and about christ in the world today that were very like mic drop um, (laughs) kind of things and i think that if he doesn't become a saint soon i'm gonna be upset because he there's there's no reason at this point (laughs) he has everything and so going forward he's going to be another person that we pray for his canonization along with pope benedict because he's a venerable and like I said, yeah. when uh, in another episode, we could talk about uh, the process of becoming a saint and what like those titles like servant of God, venerable, like blessed and officially saint we'll talk about. But the point is, um, he's uh, in the, the process. Yes. Right yeah. now. And he's actually pretty far in there, too. So, um, yeah. But uh, one of the one of the quotes that he has, though, that I think really touches on what we're, what we've said and what we've been saying in this podcast relating to the study of God and relating to why prayer has to be at the center of it uh, is he says neither theological knowledge nor social action alone is enough to keep us in love with Christ unless both are preceded by a personal encounter with him Theological insights are gained not only from between two covers of a book, but from two bent knees before an altar. Mm -hmm. The holy hour becomes like oxygen, like an oxygen tank to revive the breath of the Holy Spirit in the midst of a, of a, oh, of a foul and, and fetid atmosphere of the world. So let me, I'm going to repeat that last line. The holy hour, so in front of the Lord in the Eucharist, the holy hour becomes like an oxygen tank to revive the breath of the Holy Spirit in the midst of a foul and fetid atmosphere of the world. Whew. That goes that goes perfectly with what you were saying about your reversion. Mm-hmm. It was in adoration that you had your reversion, and it was by by taking that time to spend in the chapel with the Lord in the tabernacle that really caused your heart to stir and change the trajectory of your life. I think that it's interesting that he talks about specifically that we can't acquire all theological insights between two covers of a book. Mm. No matter how much we study the the saints' writings, no matter how much we read about God, yeah we'll never be able to we'll never be able to understand it fully without the prayer Hmm. aspect of getting to know who god is yeah and none of it would make sense if we didn't know who god was because you would read these things and then you would be like okay i read it like i i know what you're saying but how does this relate to god we can't relate it to god unless we know him personally Hmm. you know what i mean yeah hmm I love that. And I, I think it's it's very important 
that he talks about Christ in the Eucharist at this point and uh, the sacrament of oh, yeah. the Eucharist being that oxygen tank. Because without the sacraments, we're like a walking corpse. Mm. It is the, the, the Holy Spirit breathing life into us. The, the Lord, God instituted his church and the sacraments to give life to us. It's not, it wasn't something, he did this for us to have life in us. And without them, we are walking dead. If anything too, in him, yeah, literally, like the Eucharist, like when we consume him, we have life in him. I mean, Christ, Christ says, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life within <laughs> yourselves. There's no, like, that's not confusing if you know God <laughs> well, you know? It's made complete when prayer is attached to that that statement. Yes. Like you can't fully know that. And I think that's what the, the, every theologian that we just mentioned, everything that we just said today in, in, in our episode, um, we can't fully know those statements in Scripture and the Word of God if prayer with the personal encounter, like with the personal God and wanting to get to know him and re- him revealing to us who he is and us revealing to him who we are, those statements are blank if that prayer is not attached to it. Not only blank, they are profoundly confusing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't make sense if you don't know God. For him and, to and, say, to and, eat his flesh and drink his And blood. we see that in the world today. Yeah. We live in a secular world that is away from God, that they, it, unfortunately, people could, would read that and they wouldn't know what it means, um, which is why there's a need for theologians today. There's a need for people. And like I said, the two types of theologians, a theologian who, in the academic world, who defends the faith and everything, and, and especially like those those saints who we just mentioned, and so like Pope Benedict, who, who defended the faith in our time um, and defended reason, uh, Venerable Fulton Sheen, who evangelized through his like television and speaking the truth, um, St. Basil and St. Augustine, who defended the faith against heresies in their own ways through truth and beauty, um, and then St. John the Theologian, who gave witness literally to Christ. We need that today. We need that. We need both the theologian who prays, um, who prays, who whose life is centered in prayer, and from that, those who are specifically called from their center of prayer to study him in the academic world to defend him. Yeah. Um, so, uh, thank you guys um, so much for listening to. It was very. Yeah, very. That was a lot, but it was we, a lot. Packed yeah, in but there. we we've. Uh, we're very passionate about this, you know. And, and, and to be honest, we have tried to record this episode like three times <laughs> before today. And every time we just feel like we've fallen short, mm-hmm. like we haven't done it justice. And Which speaks true to us studying theology. <laughs> yes. But I think it, and it was so frustrating. We would get so frustrated by the end of it. And we would be like, just throw it out. It's all it's all dumb we didn't even do it justice and and then we would walk away and we would be angry and i think the lord was trying to 
get us to a certain point uh, in our relationship with him before we were ready to talk about him Mm -hmm. in that way. Because he kind of revealed to us uh, through our conversations outside of the podcast that we're not worthy to talk about this in its entirety at all. And no matter what we say, it, it won't, it won't do it justice. We, our goal shouldn't be to explain theology in its entirety in this episode. And I think that we, we were trying to do that Mm -hmm. when we were recording it before we realized that what we, what I think more people need is to see how the, how theology has impacted us, impacted us. And that's what we wanted to share. And I think that's what, for any of you who feel like, oh, I'm not worthy don't worry we're not either yeah like we're not our worthiness is like a grain of sand to god's grandeur and and god's grandeur is like the ocean in comparison to our grain of sand Mm -hmm. to our understanding to our worthiness but he he still invites us to do that to that universal call of holiness to in prayer and wanting to grow closer to him um but also if you feel like the lord is calling you to study theology do not um, do not take it lightly. That's a great calling. And if the Lord calls you to that, um, pray for humility that he may grant you the gift and the humility to to venture into something that's so needed and but so beautiful. It's so beautiful of a journey to 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 walk upon. And if you think he's calling you to it, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you right now if you're not sure, hey. Be sure. Yeah. The Lord is calling us all mm-hmm. closer to him. Um, so with that, uh, like I said, our New Year's resolution is to drop more consistent <laughs> episodes so it doesn't yeah. come every two months. Um, but with that, we do need support and follows and listens and, you know, and, and feedback. And most of all, prayers. Yeah. Pray that the Lord may bless our conversations, our studies, our um we want our lives our lives so that we can yeah so like we have the organized like the organization and we're on top of yeah (laughs) exactly you know um but uh we thank you all please um follow our instagram dropout theologians the dropout theologians Mm -hmm. um listen to us on spotify anchor uh apple podcasts uh like and subscribe like and subscribe i know we've had problems with our um our website, website yeah. so please um we'll get, uh, we'll we'll get, get that we'll get, that we'll get that back up and, and then you can also listen to us there yeah also listen to us well it has a link there to listen to us on those other platforms right um so yeah and then we'll drop all those recommended bands and those readings by we're, we're gonna drop a recommended reading for every saint that we uh that we said um what else um any shout outs oh sorry go ahead i'm hoping that i'll be able to finish another um blog post oh yeah uh by the end of this week that i've been working on uh regarding felix culpa Ooh, felix culpa so if you don't know what felix culpa means it's latin for fortunate fall which uh if you want to know more about it She'll be dropping the blog soon. Yeah. Um, so that's all I have. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think I have anything else. So if we're finished, let's end in prayer.
No shoutouts? For who? <laughs> just, just, you know, prayers for uh, my family, too. Just specific prayers for my family, my dad, my mom, my brothers. And like I said, for Simon uh, Ortiz and all the seminarians from the Diocese of Phoenix. Yeah, let's let's ask for prayer intentions also for my one of my good friends, uh, Bailey Mathias, is getting married soon. Uh, and she, I'm sure she would appreciate the prayers in the process of uh, discerning marriage. Mm-hmm. And for her soon-to-be husband Carl as well, that they grow in in faith in our Lord and in faith in each other, and that their relationship will will get them to heaven ultimately. Yep. Who else? Let's see. For my family as mm-hmm. well, my siblings, um, my little sister Lily just applied to Notre Dame. Catholic high school to yeah. go. Not the university. Not high the school. university. <laughs> high school. Here in Phoenix, you have to apply to Catholic high schools in order to get in. Like they choose. They're selective like colleges are. You have to like. You don't do that in Indiana? No. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So. Learn something new every day. Yeah. But anyway, so pray for her that her first year of high school is. Um. That she has a good first year of high school. Yeah. Basically. Um, I think, I think that's, that's all. it. All right. All right. Let's end in prayer, Eric. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we ask for your wisdom and your guidance to glorify you in everything that we do. In our work, in our family life, in our relationships, and the encounter we have with strangers. May our speech, our thoughts, and our actions glorify you. And may the image of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, be stamped into everything that we do and mirrored in who we are. We ask this in the intercession of St. John the Theologian. Pray for us. St. Augustine, pray for us. us. St. Basil the Great, pray for us. us. And Lord, be it your will, may the soul of Fulton, Venerable Fulton Sheen and Pope Benedict XVI glorify you. And may they, in your will, God, be canonized as saints in the church. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Until next time. Adios, amigos.